You're listening to audio from Church of the Incarnation. To donate to our ministry or find out more, please visit incarnationcfl.com. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's Christ the King Sunday up here in the Episcopal Church. That's what I'm talking about. It's the last Sunday of the year, by the way, in the liturgical calendar. The church has a different way of thinking about time. And, and the new year starts next Sunday with Advent. And you're going to hear me say it next week, but that word Advent is the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. And so the, the Christian calendar, we're going to start the Christian calendar over next year. And the way it starts is with describing how it ends, with, with discussing the coming of Jesus. Not as a baby, that's four weeks later at Christmas, but as a conquering king. So next week, I'm going to preach the same sermon that I'm preaching this week, because the, I'm not. I'll figure out some new way to spin it. But, but, but the, the Christian year, right? You're like, there ain't nothing original happening up here. I hate to tell you. It's just, just Nicene, creedal Christianity, I hope, anyway. When you get original, that's when you start being accused of being a heretic, by the way. So let's not be original. Um, but the Christian year, it, it begins next week with Christ's coming, his, his coming as king, and it ends today with that same message, that you and I know how the story ends. You know how the story of all of time and space ends. It ends with Jesus coming to be crowned eternal king of the world. And so what I want to do today is just glory in that, revel in it, and take a few minutes to, to meditate upon it and be challenged by it. So you ready to be challenged today? I'm going to say some offensive stuff today. And, and let me tell you why. Because Christ's kingdom is incredibly offensive. Like To, to say Jesus is Lord is to declare his rulership over all that you are and all that you have and all that you do. And that, that is an unbelievably powerful thing to declare. That, by the way, will mess with your life. Be prepared for that. All right, uh, so I've got some, I have some notes. Actually, I have three pages of them. I don't think I'm going to do them all because you won't come back next Sunday. But we'll do a few minutes of them. Now, listen to this. I've been thinking about this all week, and I, I really do believe this, that, that in America especially, um, we have domesticated Jesus in a way that he should not be domesticated. Um, we've, we've sort of toned him down to, to being just a nice guy, right? He's a buddy. I mean, I remember 10 years ago, you know, People used to wear hats to say buddy Jesus on them. Like, whoa, wait a second. Okay, Jesus is a buddy. Yeah, he's your friend, but he's also king. In our culture, we've sort of domesticated him down to being a nice guy, taking the fire out of his eyes completely. And I think we've made the essence of Christianity about being nice like Jesus was nice. And I think, quite frankly, that's why most Christians aren't really motivated by their faith. Um. And I think that's why a lot of non-Christians, why the outside world really just don't want anything to do with what we're up to in here. I mean, they don't see anything fundamentally different in us or about us than they can get anywhere else. Um, we're Honestly, our message in some sense just isn't that interesting. Here's what I think the Christian message becomes if we're not careful. And, and this is light years from what I think it is. But this, this is what I think it becomes, okay? Here's the Christian message if Jesus is a nice guy and if Christianity is about being nice, okay? Hey, come get some Jesus to make your life marginally better. 
<laughs> right? So come get some Jesus to, to help tame your bad habits. Right? See, because Jesus is about being nice and he's about moral transformation, so he wants you to be good because Jesus is good. So come get some Jesus. Sprinkle some Jesus onto your life to make your life marginally better. Just move the needle a few degrees. Come get some Jesus to help attenuate your bad habits. Come get some Jesus to learn some new good habits. Anybody following me here? Do, do you believe me that this is the way we think about him in our culture? Come get some Jesus to love people more consistently. That's a good one. Jesus is about love. He, he wants to teach you to love others. So if you'll just add some Jesus to your life, you'll love more like he loves. These are not bad things. None of these things are bad things. And none of them are untrue things. They are all entirely true. Jesus will teach you to love like never before. He will help you rid yourself of your bad habits like never before. He'll help you add some good habits like never before. But that's not the central message of Christianity. It's way much more subversive than that. And, it, and it's more political. And it's got a lot more traction. It's a whole lot more serious. And I think if we'd get it, if we just grasp it, um, we would become much more interested in this Christianity thing, and our neighbors would too. Here's what I think the message of Christianity is. Ready? And I'm sort of going to spin this in a Christ the King Sunday kind of way, and it's intentionally offensive. Here it is. This is the message. Jesus, right now, although you can't see it fully, is ruler and Lord of the entire world. Lord. He's Lord of your life. He's Lord of your neighbor's life. He's, he's ruler of your homeowner's association. <laughs> he is. He's, he's ruler of every political system and system of authority that you find yourself under right now. Although you cannot see it fully, he is ruler and Lord of all of those things, okay? At his side right now, and you see this in the birth narrative of Jesus, actually. Luke chapter 2, at his side right now is an army of angels more powerful than any political force or governmental army existing on planet Earth today. You see that in Luke chapter 2. Go back and read it right. There's Emperor Augustus, and he's doing a political Roman emperor power trip. What's he doing? He's taking a census of all the people he has and all the soldiers he has. And then right down there about verse 13 of chapter 2, we get an angel declaring the birth of Jesus, whom he calls the Christ, and that's not his last name, that's a political statement, and it means he's anointed ruler. So here's Emperor Augustus, who thinks he's anointed ruler, who's counting all his forces. And in verse 13, here's Jesus, the anointed ruler, and as a baby in a manger, the angel is surrounded, Luke tells us, by an army of the host of heaven. Are you following the subversive awesomeness of that? That Jesus in a manger is commanding the armies of the host of heaven, that's the way the birth story starts. That's Christmas, that the little baby we're going to celebrate in just a few weeks, laying in a manger, is at that moment with his strong right arm commanding an army more powerful than Caesar's. That's supposed to matter to you. That's supposed to do some stuff in your heart. So Jesus right now, although you can't see it fully, is ruler of the entire world. He, he has at this thing, there we go. He has at his side an eternal army of angels stronger than any world force. 
he right now, this is what Daniel's trying to tell us if you're paying attention to the Daniel 7 reading. He right now rules an eternal government that will never be defeated. He's coming back to judge the living and the dead. He has, listen to this, he has already won the decisive victory over the whole world and your faith is a draft card. Remember that? The draft? Your faith is a draft card conscripting you into that victorious kingdom and commissioning you as an ambassador of it for everybody. Dadgummit, this thing is driving me nuts. All right, let's get this back over here. No, don't do that. All right, I'm getting creative here. That one. Got it. Help, Mark. I'm just going to turn it off because I can't figure out why it's making that annoying noise. All right. Your faith is a draft card conscripting you. Golly, now I sound like I'm in a coffee shop. Jesus is Lord over the microphones in our church, too, by the way. I know, I know you can't see it fully yet. Your faith is a draft card, conscripting you into that victory and commissioning you as ambassadors of this liberating good news. I just want to turn your attention to these readings this morning. We're just going to pick a few parts of them together. Look at Revelation chapter 1. If you've got your bulletin, it's on the second page. Revelation chapter 1. This is the last book of the Bible, and it begins and ends with Jesus' kingship. Okay, and, and look what we have here. The very end of the first paragraph. Grace to you and peace from God who is, who was, and who is to come from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ. There it is, Christ. That's not his last name, right? That's a title. It means Christos, anointed one, anointed king, just like David was king, just like Solomon was king, just like any world ruler right now is king. Jesus is anointed to be king above them. When you say Jesus is Christ, you're declaring that you have a ruler and Lord more powerful than anyone or anything else in your life. Do you believe it? And that is a serious statement. Jesus the Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, here it is, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. All right, so let's just think about it. King Jesus. And this is going to mess with somebody. You're, you're, somebody's not going to like this. Ruler of King Joe Biden. King Jesus. Ruler of ruler Donald Trump. King Jesus. Ruler of Kim Jong-un, South Korea. Right now, King Jesus ruler Boris Johnson let me just pick just go through the list King Jesus right now ruler of Xi Jinping China okay so if 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 that's true that's an intensely political statement and it means that Jesus demands listen your heart and your highest allegiance above any political person or entity of which you're a part and I want you to ask yourself the question 
Who do you care more about? King Jesus? Or a political ruler? I mean, you, hopefully you're saying, oh, of course, King Jesus. Well, really? What? Who gets more of your daily emotional energy? Are you listening to me? Because I know some of my friends who occasionally troll through the halls of this church or maybe even a digital hall watching through the camera have wholesale devoted their emotional energy to a temporal kingdom that's going away. It's all you think about is how much you cannot stand Donald Trump or how much you can't stand Joe Biden, right? How much you're just driven nuts by the politics of your age, which Daniel 7, if you go back and read Daniel 7, tells us very clearly is going away. That Jesus, as king of kings, has conquered every political kingdom and will absolutely outlast them. And he's asking for you to give him your allegiance right now. And I'm not saying you shouldn't care about politics. I'm not saying you shouldn't vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't be invest, invested in who's ruling over our government. I'm just saying you should also understand and pay more attention to who's ruling over our government. You following me? So, if you want to know whether Jesus is Lord, just ask yourself this question. Do I give him more of my heart? than any politician, political system, or any force in my life. <clears throat> Secondly, if Jesus really is king, then he's far more than just a role model to emulate. And that's what we think about Jesus, right? He's like a good example, and we follow in his good example. If he's Lord, then he's commanding and demanding the allegiance of your entire life. And he has power over you like nothing else does. Okay, so I have a question for you, right? This is what I want you to think about on Christ the King Sunday. Does Jesus have such authority in your life that he can ask anything of you at any time? Is Jesus your king... To the point at which he can get your attention in every area of your life that will take you beyond agreement and into obedience. I mean, there's a difference. And I think most American Christians, most of the time, have Jesus in the I'll follow you when I agree category because you're my buddy, good moral teacher who had something nice to say. And when I agree on occasion, I'll go along with you. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and I, I think we need to put him in the king category, who's Lord, who, who has the authority to ask of you things that you'd rather not have him ask you. And for you to have the posture of the heart like this, God, I don't want to do that. But okay, just as you'd bow to an emperor if one were to walk in the room. There's a huge difference between obedience and agreement. All right, So obedience or agreement is stuff you're going to do anyway, that you sprinkle with a little Christian stardust and just go along with and give Jesus credit for, right? So, oh God, I'm going to go play a softball game. Oh Jesus, please help me win this softball game. Amen in your will. I mean, who doesn't want to win a softball game? Right? But 
Obedience is that zone that this king asks us to live into that goes way beyond what we want to do into what he's calling us to do, and it is so difficult. This is obedience. And these are the words of your King Jesus on Christ King Sunday. If you want to be my disciple, you must daily pick up your cross and follow me. Can you have a, do you have a king who can say that kind of thing to you? And, and do you have a king who in his sovereignty knows who you are more than you know who you are? And knows what you need more than you know what you need? And, and through and in and because of his wisdom is able to demand things of you that you don't want to give, but in allegiance to his lordship over your life, you're halfway willing to lay it down. And if you'll do that, you'll experience the joyful and peaceful fruits of obedience. That's normal Christianity. I mean, anyone ever been to an airport when the president shows up? Man, you're going to miss your flight. You are. I mean, we, we were in West Virginia last summer for vacation, and I just wanted to go to a cave. That's all I wanted to do. And so it's raining. What a great day to go to a cave. So we're just going to drive to a cave with the kids. And on the way to the cave, we passed a little podunk airport in West Virginia, and the traffic was stopped on both sides of it. And we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there. Because for whatever reason, Air Force One was landing at the airport. I have no idea what our president's doing in West Virginia. I'm not sure I want to know. Okay, but all I'm telling you is it messed up my trip to the cave. I mean, we're having to GPS all kinds of weird routes around this airport. And, and I want you to think about Jesus in that way. Does he have the power and authority in your life to mess with you and mess up your agenda, mess up your day, mess up your schedule, rearrange it with his? Or is he just some green elf you put on the shelf at Christmas time? Well, look, there's Jesus. Isn't he cute? Right? <laughs> Because if he's going to be king, he's going to mess with your day. And I think he's going to mess with it in two ways as I think about it. And this, this is the last thing I want to say. Two, two ways that I think King Jesus wants to mess with your day. And this one's the joyful one, so think about this. Number one, I think he wants to give you a beautiful and quiet confidence in his kingship. In a way that causes you to live fearlessly. I mean, can you imagine if, if the most powerful person in the universe came right in and said, hey, here I am, and here's you, and I'm commissioning you into my kingdom, and nobody can touch you because I'm going to walk with you wherever you go. When they see you, they're going to see me behind you. What kind of confidence would you have when you walk into the office on Monday morning and face all that junk that you're dealing with? Like, hey, you know, you see this guy? I got a king with me. Quit messing with me. Right? I mean, that, that's, exactly what, that's exactly what you have in King Jesus. And I'm just saying, do, do you invite yourself to live into that kind of quiet confidence that you, you have the ear of the most powerful person in the universe? I mean, what if you had a direct line to Joe Biden? You just had a red phone in your living room, and you could pick it up and be like, hey, Joe, what's up, brother? Would you use it? You've got, you got a direct line to the king of Joe Biden. You using that line? Right? Are you using it? 
That's the first thing. The second way I think that Jesus' kingship should mess with us is it should give us a real fervor for evangelism. Now, this is probably going to offend somebody too, but you know, I want to read for you the last vision that we get of peaceful, quiet, kid-loving Jesus in the New Testament. You ready for this one? This is Revelation 19. This is the last picture we get of Jesus. Revelation 19, verse 11. Oh, I can't walk away from that. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse, and its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is Jesus. His eyes are like flames of fire. On his head are many diadems, and he has a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. This is like not children's storybook stuff right here. His name is called the Word of God. Look at this. And the armies of heaven are with him. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh is his name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Holy cow. That, that's the end of the Christian story. That this baby Jesus that we're going to start welcoming in just a few weeks is coming back to rule and reign a kingdom forever. And he's going to, from that throne, judge the living and the dead. Nothing and no one escapes. And, and one of the things that's supposed to do for us is sterilize our priorities. Like, God, if that's true, I need to tell my neighbors. I mean, I'm sitting on my back porch this morning thinking about this. And I'm thinking about my neighbors who just moved in about a year ago. And I'm thinking about the last neighbors that lived right in that house. The last people who lived right in that house we started to get to know. And that, this precious 17-year-old girl is baptized right here in this church. Name's Elizabeth. She's gone off to college now. Now she's gone, and there's new neighbors, and I'm like, God, let's get them. Let's get them, because you, O King, are coming back to judge the living and the dead, including my next-door neighbor. And God can script me as an ambassador into that reality. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. Would you like to connect with our church? Join us online or in person every week at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit IncarnationCFL.com to learn more. Have a great week.